Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. So let's open our Bibles up to Hebrews chapter 3. And Pastor talked a little bit about this a few weeks ago, and I'm just going to go right back in there with it. Because God is wanting us to grasp, take hold of what he has for us. And that we're not going to miss out. You're hearing us say this a lot lately. We don't want you to miss out what God has for us. Because I believe it's our time. I believe that with all my heart. And the enemy has another plan. But I've learned a long time ago, his plan never wins. Amen. He was defeated from the foundation of the world. So how many remember last Sunday when I said, I gave this church a word. How many of you remember what it was? Patricia remembers. Brenda. Got a few over here. Well, Bev remembers. So there's a few of you. And I think, If just a few people remember what I said, what the Lord said about us, how are we going to grab hold of it? How are we going to walk in it? How are we going to take hold of what God is saying if we don't write it down, we don't go aggressively after it? I'm just asking you a question. I'm not mad at you. This This is what God's dealing with us as his children to understand how, how many, when a parent tells a child something, you want them to get it the fifth or sixth time? <laughs> Is it easier when your child gets it the first time? Is it less frustrating? <laughs> Greg and Angela are going, yes. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> well, that's how God is with us. He'll repeat it because he's trying to get something to us. But how much better is it if we get it the first time and start taking hold of it so that we can change our thinking towards it? So last Sunday morning, the Lord said that 2024 would be the year we would soar. Now, do you all remember that? So you need to write that down. It needs to be in your notes, and if you're not taking notes, make notes. Your cell phone has a thing called notes. (laughs) I know that much. Are you real proud of me, Heather? I know that much about they have notes. Yes. (laughs) I think that's quite an accomplishment. So, you know, he's talking to us about soaring, and then you know, the definition of disorder is to increase rapidly above the usual level. Anybody want to go higher? Is Jerry Sorrell's word not highest level obtainable? Does that not go in agreement with what God is saying to the body of Christ? It means to rise or increase dramatically. Anybody want to rise and increase dramatically? So we got to take this, right? We got to take the word soar believe that God is saying to each of us individually and to the church that we are going to soar. Say, I am going to soar. This year, I am going to soar. 
this year, this church is going to soar. It means to rise high in the air while flying without moving the wings or using power. You know what that does? takes all the pressure off of us. That means we're not doing this in our own strength. You're not going to soar in your own strength. You're not going to be the one that has to make it happen. That's what God's saying to us. Because, see, when we take that word and say, I am going to soar, then we're trying to figure out what we have to do. And what this is saying to us, it's not about what we do. It's about what we believe God is going to do. What God has for us. How we press in to obtain what God has said. And so we're going to look at the word and we're going to see some things. The last definition I have is rise above the usual or ordinary level or bounds. Be elevated. That is all going up to a higher level, a higher position, a higher place in God. I want to go there. I want to be in that place because it's what God has promised us. Two of the other things that God has been speaking to us about that we've got to get a hold of is he's really been emphasizing about our families. He's been emphasizing in services about our families getting saved, getting right with God, coming into the kingdom. You know, families. He's talking about families. You know what we need to do with that? We need to take it. We need to believe that God is talking about our families, what God wants, what God's plans and purposes are. That's salvation, that's deliverance, that's healing. It's whatever is needed in your family. So that's another thing. You should write that down and you should be believing that God is going to deliver your families. You shouldn't get in agreement with what you're seeing them do or what they're saying. That That doesn't matter. What God says, it's what matters. And how we take it makes a difference. And we're going to go through the word and we're going to see this. So the other thing he said is to restore. He's speaking to us about restoration. Restoration of finances, restoration of families, restoration of whatever you need restoration of. Let's not limit God to what we can see. Let's not just put, oh, you can do so much. God's a big God. And when he starts moving... He's doing it to make a way and bring to pass to restore everything that was stolen from us. Anybody had anything stolen, stripped away? Let's get it back. Our nation sure has had some things stripped away. I'm believing him to restore our nation to a God-fearing nation. That doesn't mean every person's going to get saved, but it sure means that some things are going to turn around. And we're going to go back towards God. So did you all find Hebrews or did I tell you to open your Bibles to Hebrews? Chapter 3. So we're going to look at it according to what I've shared with you. Okay? So I want you to keep that in mind. You anointed wonderful people with ears to hear what the Spirit of God has to say. And I'm declaring over you, you're not going to harden your heart. Just say that. I'm not going to harden my heart to the Word of God. 
I'm going to take it. I'm going to walk in it. It's for me. Amen. So, Hebrews 3, 7. Wherefore, Family Worship Center, as the Holy Ghost saith, today, if you, if, I want you to under, see that if, if, that means if you, if you hearken, if you hear his voice, if you pay attention, if you take hold of what God has said, if, so there's an if there, you, it, you have to do something, and this is your part, take hold, hear his voice, because God's speaking to us about soaring, he's speaking to us about families, and so we want to listen to what he's speaking to us about. Amen? So he said, today, Family Worship Center, if you hear his voice today, harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness. So he's saying, he's talking to Jewish Christians that know all about the forefathers, know all about the children in the wilderness. They are not ignorant to this. So he's giving an example on what they know so that they can understand what the writer of Hebrews is saying. So he's saying, if you'll not harden, stiffen your heart, become obstinate or stubborn. Now I don't believe anybody in here wants to be, have a rebellious heart. But when we don't receive the word of God, then our heart is obstinate. It's in rebellion. It's not taking hold of what or not believing what God has said. And he says, when your fathers tempted me, prove me. This is what God's saying. When your fathers tempted me, proved me or tested me and saw my works 40 years, Wherefore, God is saying, I was grieved with that generation. I don't want God to be grieved with me. So he's telling us how we can grieve the heart of the Father. He's telling you and I, as he was telling the (laughs) Jewish Christians, how they could grieve God's heart. And he said, wherefore, I was grieved... With that generation and said, this is what God says, they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. That's pretty strong. So he's telling them the grieve God's heart is saying, you're always in your heart obstinate against God and that you don't know his ways. When you can't recognize when God is moving, when you don't recognize the things that he's doing, then you don't know his ways and you harden your heart. And therefore, the word gets dismissed out of your heart. Now, keep your finger there and let's look at something in Exodus 5. Let's just see how they did it. We're going to come back to Hebrews. Right now, we're going to Exodus 5, verse 19. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in evil case after it was said, you shall not dismiss aught from their bricks of your daily task. Because Moses had gone, Moses and Aaron had gone to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said no. And so he commanded that, you know, their bricks, 
They put up a circumstance here that, you know what? You're not going to get your bricks. There's something changing here. And, they, and so the children of Israel, they met Moses and Aaron, who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because you have made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh, in the eyes of his servant, to put a sword in their hands to slay us. Now, let's look at this, because this is what happens so many times to Christians. So here, they've got the word of the Lord. Moses has already gone. Moses and Aaron have already gone to them and said, God's taken us into the promised land. The word that you know that our forefathers knew, that you have heard from generation to generation to generation, now is the time. Now it's time to go into the promised land. And we know the children of Israel got a little spiffy about it at first. Then they... They decided, okay, we're going to agree. So, so Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh. They're on their way back. The children of Israel have come up against a circumstance. The word's given. You're going into the promise. You're going into the promised land. But now, it's not the way they think. Now, something has happened that made the situation even worse. Said, this happened to all of us. We get a word from God, here's something, and then what happens? Something gets worse. And all of a sudden, what do we think? God, he didn't mean that. Huh, it can't be God. This way, I, what you're really saying is, I don't like your mode of operation, God. I don't like the way you're doing this. This is what I want. Deliver us right now. I want to go in right now. That's really what we're saying. We're obstinate in our heart. Because a circumstance that you could not agree with, you came up against. And so they're looking at it. This wasn't God. That's a lie. We're done. We're over with it, Moses. I'm sure none of us have ever done that because I see all our halos on our head. So here they are in that place. This is what God's talking about. This is how you become obstinate and you don't know the ways of the Lord because all you can see is the circumstance before you. And therefore, that circumstance is so big that it can't be changed. Who made you God? I love you, Pastor Vicki. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, what do you do when you get a word from God and it doesn't work the way you think it should? What, what, what do you do in your heart? That's what you do. Thank you very much. <laughs> Appreciate that. Hallelujah. That's exactly what you do. <laughs> You just can't plan that. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's go back to Hebrews. So this is what the Lord is talking about. And we know they defiled the Lord. They murmured at least ten times against the Lord, against God's way of doing things. I'm sure, again, we have never... Come against God's way of doing things. 
Now, Psalm says, Psalms 103, verse 7 says that Moses knew his ways. The children only knew the acts. You and I as believers need to know the ways of God. How he works and how he operates. When we begin to learn how God moves and how he operates, we're not going to be as frustrated. We're going to get into that place and just look at that circumstance and say, well, God, let's see how you're going to do this. Hmm, that's not going quite the way I thought it was going to go, but let's see what you're going to do. That way, what are we doing? We're soaring because we're taking our hands off of it. We're taking our plans off of it, our ways, our timing, our everything, and keeping it on him. You'll soar. So then he says, verse 11, So God said, So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. So there's a rest in God. And we want to know how to rest in God when we're going through the hard places. We want to know how to rest between victory and victory. We want to know how to do that so we can keep in that place in him and learn his ways, walk in his ways, and have the victory. He said, verse 12, Take heed, brethren. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. This writer is talking to the church. So just say, he's talking to me. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So when we get in unbelief, we depart from the living God. Now, we look at ourselves and say, well, I wouldn't depart from God. But this is what the Word says. When in our hearts, we err. When our heart... When unbelief is working, we are on the process of departing, separating, moving away from God. And that's not what we want to do. We want to stay, no matter what, in tune with God. Right? This is called participation this morning. I want you to participate. Because that way you'll stay awake. And I'm not going to have any sleepers this morning. If you don't think I don't see sometimes when your eyes are closed. I can see all the way in the back. It's what these glasses are for. Hallelujah. So, the Hebrew writer is saying to Christians, take heed. Pay attention. To what? Your own heart. Pay attention to what you're thinking. Pay attention what is going through your two ears, going through your mind. What are you processing? Sometimes you can get in a two-a-pattern, and you've drowned yourself before you even recognize that you've drowned yourself. And so he says, take heed. So that you don't start departing from what God has promised. What God has said. That you hold fast. As it says in Hebrews 10. You hold fast. 
to your confession or really to the word. But exhort one another daily while it is called when? Today. So that means tomorrow will be today. And you need to exhort, build up, encourage one another. Why? Because he says, least any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin of what's going on in your head. You need to find believers that believe like you believe. That can say, no matter what you're going through, you're going to soar. This is your year. I see you soaring. I believe in you. I believe that this is your year and you're going you're gonna to go high above where you are right now. You've got to encourage one another, strengthen one another. That's what he's saying. That's what the Hebrews writer is saying. And so he says, I'm going to go back. Let's read 13 again. But exhort, encourage, strengthen one another daily. Daily. We've got to encourage. We've got to get our encouragement coming out of our mouths, no matter what you're going through. Because you sow encouragement, guess what's going to come back to you? You sow encouragement, so what's coming back to you? See, that's participation. I want you to hear it. I want these things coming out of your mouth. I'm trying to, I want to strengthen your faith today. I want you to believe God today. We're losing too many battles. We want to win a nation. We want to see the nation turned around. We want to see the glory, the presence of God. Well, it's going to come through the church. And the church has to be strong. The church has to be in that place that we're not going, I don't know the ways of God, and I don't know what the heck is going on, and I don't want to do. Yeah, we do know what to do. we got the word. We're just not using it. You can't just, it's good to listen. It is good to listen to, what are those things called? Those little chip things you stick in your, com- flash drives, that's it. Who won the prize on that? Flash drives, those flash drives, it's good to listen to them. But this is the most important thing, getting your eye gates. You know, I shared a few weeks ago about my daughter and the the supernatural healing she got. And, you know, I shared with how she started out, you know, with kidney problems, went to kidney disease, went to uh, bladder in the cancer, bladder, cancer in the bladder. You know, and it was a progression of worse. And all I said to her is, Get, we'll, just take more, we'll just take more word. I'm just going to give you more scriptures to stand on. Now, she could have either hit the circumstances and allowed that to dictate to her. But I said, no, I'm not burying my daughter. That's what I said to her. She said, oh, good. She, said, she thought if mom said it, that means she didn't die. She took faith in that. And she took the word. And she took the word. That means she put her eye gates and her, she spoke it and it went into her ear gates. And it worked in her. So she didn't let the circumstances dictate to her. What if I got in agreement with her? said, well, 
you know, the doctors know best. I wasn't taking that report. Wow, that's my child. So when it got really bad, she just took more scripture. And she said every time she had a negative thought, she went to the word that was on her phone because she took the time to get the scriptures where she could put them. No matter where she was, she could go right to it. And that brought healing to her. And you all know, she was totally healed. Totally, totally, totally healed. Not only did it work in her kidneys and her bladder, but she had knee surgery, and the doctors were not giving her a good report on that. I'm telling you, she was a mess for a little bit. And now all they're saying, she got so excited because when she went to rehab, they said, you'll be kickboxing in six months. They had already told her she'll never do that again. I'm just telling you, she had an opportunity to have an obstinate heart and not agree with the word. The circumstances went from worse to worse to worse. What do you do? What do you do? This is what the Hebrew writer is saying to you and I. What do we do in the tough times? She never went to a CD. Flash drive. She went to the word. She was desperate. Sometimes we're not desperate enough. So when she'd call, I exhorted her. I encouraged her. I strengthened her. And I refuse to get in agreement. In fact, the first time she told me, she wanted to make sure Pastor was there because she thought I'd fall apart. I thought, you don't know your mom very well. So I'm not falling apart. I'm not receiving it. If the children of Israel had had that, they would have never been in the wilderness for 40 years. Never would they have had to stay there and die. But they didn't know his ways. And the miracles didn't affect them. Okay. Verse 14. For we are made partakers of Christ if, there's that word if, if, this is what we, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. So here's what we do. We have to choose to hold our confidence steadfast on the word until we see the end results. That sometimes is not easy. But it's a decision. That's why he said if again. Several times, I don't know, at least four or five times it says if. If. That our requirement to soar is not on what we do as far as natural things, going out and trying to make something happen. It's what we do in here. Holding steadfast. And when you feel you're getting weak in that area, then you go back to what the Word says. Amen? I'm trying to help you this morning. Trying to help you to get 
to that place of victory. And that we not listen to the lies of the enemy. The Lord really dropped this in my heart. I've been meditating and praying over this all week. In fact, the last couple of weeks. He's saying, I want to get to my people. If God wants to get to his people, what's he trying to get? The word to believe what he's saying so we can soar. So we can see family salvation. We, we can see things restored. See, I believe that God has victory for every one of us. You know, I feel like it's an injustice to God that he has victory for every child and just a few are winning. That would mean every child that you, let's just say, every child that you have, you only want victory for one out of ten. <laughs> Somebody has ten kids. You just want one of them to win. Boy, that wouldn't be a good parent, would it? What would you think of that parent? You wouldn't, you wouldn't honor them or respect them. You know, that's that how God is he doesn't want just one or two people having victory that's not the heart of God that would make him an unjust God and he's a just God that would make him a God that you didn't know if you got in the in the pick am I the one that he's going to choose or is he going to choose somebody else and knowing most people they'd say well it isn't going to be me we dog ourselves that's not God. God's heart is for every one of his children to walk in what he has for them. But it's us coming into the rest of God. It's us coming into the place of God. So, verse 15. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, I'm saying to you, if today you will hear his voice and harden not your hearts that God wants you to soar as he wanted them to go in the promised land as in the provocation for some when they had heard did provoke howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses and we know Joshua and Caleb how come they soared how come they went in? How come the others didn't go in? Somebody believed God. Somebody said, I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to believe. I'm going to take hold of that. And that's what God is saying. Every one of us in this room have opportunity to have victory in every area of our lives. But there is a fight. For some, verse 16. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom, who was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? So that makes it clear. It's the ones that walked in an evil heart of unbelief. Those are the ones that he was grieved with. If we're following God, 
with our whole heart going after God, he's not mad at you. He doesn't agree with you. He's there for you to help us. And to whom, verse 18, and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter, they could not enter in. Why? Because of unbelief. You're not going to enter in if there's unbelief in your heart. If there's unbelief in your heart, there's a solution for it. It's called the word. That's your solution. That's your answer. You know Joshua and Caleb. What did they say? They said, look, guys, God's already said we're going into the promised land. Don't panic. Don't get into fear. Don't do that. Don't settle. Don't go back to Egypt. You know, they cried out, the children of Israel, they wanted to go back to Egypt. Exodus 16 says they wanted to go back to Egypt. Two and a half months in the promised land, and they were done. In fact, three days in Exodus 15, after three days, they were done. Why? Because they didn't have water. Because they couldn't see it. But God had already, from the foundation of the world, provided water in the, at that very spot to provide for the children of Israel. But they couldn't see it. The circumstances knocked them down. The circumstance rose up and said, look at this desert. It is dry. It is empty. Look at these dying plants. There is no water here. And the, water, the, the drought spoke louder than the word. The drought spoke louder than God. Am I stepping on any toes this morning? <laughs> I'm getting nods. <laughs> well, they heal. Hallelujah. I'm speaking to all of us. I have to do the same thing that you have to do. So I'm not mad at anybody. Not really trying to step on your toes. I'm just trying to help you get between your ears to change your thinking. That's what the Hebrew writer was trying to do with the Jewish Christians. Get them to change their thinking. Chapter 4. Let's just say this. I am not of those that is full of unbelief. I am full of faith. I'm full of the word. Therefore, I'm going to soar. Amen. Chapter 4, verse 1. Let us, therefore, fear, have reverence for God... To honor God, let us honor God, a promise being left us of entering into his rest. We got a promise. Any of you should seem to come short of it. That's my goal this morning, is that none of us come short of entering into the rest of God. So he's telling us, that we can enter into a place of rest knowing what God's going to do. 
That should bring great comfort to your soul. So he said, verse 2, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. So the gospel was preached to the children of Israel. And they didn't receive it. And he's saying, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. This is major in understanding how to walk in what God has. That by faith, you take restoration for your families that you take restoration of your finances, that you take hold of soaring in the, in the kingdom of God, that you take hold of that by faith, not because you see it. And we say this, we sing it, we declare it. I'm not moved by what I see. I walk by faith and not by sight. But then that goes away from us because we're not mixing faith with what God said. They're not coming together. We're keeping them separated. And we've got to learn to bring that together so that we mix faith and the word, not by what we see, by what God said. Amen? Amen. By what God said. That's got to top everything. It's got to top the circumstances. And that's what got the children of Israel into a heart of unbelief. And wandering in the wilderness. And it's time for us to come out of wilderness wandering into the promises of God. We've got to mix it with faith. You all heard this morning, today, if you will hear his voice, you will soar. Your families will be delivered. I'm working on mixing this in you to get hold of it and not be moved. What your children say. What your husband may say. What your wife may say. What does the word say? What does the word say? What did God promise you? What are you saying out of your mouth? Again, I go back to that. We sang it. Miracles are coming out of our mouth. I'd like to know what you're saying at home. I really wouldn't. I probably stepped on somebody. Give me mercy. Trying to help you. Verse 3, for we which have believed do enter into rest. We that believe enter into rest. If you're not in rest, you still got some doubt. Let's get rid of the doubt so that we believe. As I have sworn in my wrath, if, if they shall enter into my rest. So there's an if. There's another if. It means it's our choice. It's our choice what we do with it. If they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So everything God has for you is a finished work. It's finished. It just hasn't been opened all up to you or me, all of us. But it's there in front of you just like that rock was in the wilderness full of water and nobody could see it. But there was water in it. And the only way it was going to be unlocked was by faith. Did you get that? Faith unlocked that rock. 
when Moses obeyed God and did what God said, he hit the rock because that's what God told him to do the first time. Faith released the water, and the water fed all the children, all the cattle, everything. It was a floodgate. But they didn't see it until faith was released. If you don't release faith, then the promise is not seen. Am I helping anybody this morning? So we want to get in that place. And that's why, you know, why didn't the first day, I'm just referring to my daughter, when Kim took that first scripture, why was she not healed? Why did she not see the manifestation of it? She had to change her thinking because the doctor's report was speaking. So it didn't happen the first day. If she just took that one scripture or those scriptures I gave her and stopped after the first day, she'd be in serious trouble. But she went after it. And that's what I'm saying. We got to go after the word. We got to go after what God is saying and drown out the doubt. And then you'll get to a place that you know that faith is spoken. And you get to that place that when it comes out of you, you know, boy, that's done. And you don't ever have to think about it again. But until you get to that place, you have to stay with the word. I just want you all to know, I am teaching good. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, verse 4, For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on the wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into thy rest, into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. I don't want to be in that group. Again, he limited a certain day, saying, in David, today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. I mean, he is trying to get something over to these Christians. Today, if you will hear. Today, if you will listen. Today, if you will take hold. Don't harden your hearts, whether you understand it or not. That's beside the point. For if Jesus or Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. And we want to know how to get to this rest, right? We want to know how to walk in this rest because there's a rest for you and I. Where is the rest? In our souls. It's our souls that need to rest in the promises of God. Verse 10. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works. I think you need to underline that. Put asterisks around it. Make sure it sees you see it. Because he says, for he that entered into his rest, he had to cease from his own He had to stop. He had to cease from his own works. 
hello. This is the hard part. Us ceasing from our own wisdom. Us trying to figure it out. Us trying to, you know, help God. And I'm sure nobody in this room has tried to help God. <laughs> we can all volunteer on that one. We've had many plans, many ideas, many ways God could do it. He'll, he'll not take you up on one of your ways. <laughs> and it'll help you if you get that down. So he says, to enter in to that rest, you and I are going to have to cease from our own works. Just as God did. We're going to have to see it done. We're going to have to rest in our souls. And then he says in verse 11, this took me so many times just trying to figure this out. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. So he wants me to rest, but there's a labor to it. Now how? Labor. So I'm thinking, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What works can I do? What, do I need to do more of this, God? Maybe I need to do more praying. Maybe I need to do this. That's labor. That's not what he's talking about. Labor in your soul. Labor to enter into the rest of God, into that place that you're, you're driving out the unbelief. Labor. It takes... How many knows that if you've spoken... The name of Jesus, and I know we've all done this, spoke the name of Jesus when your mind is running and you speak the name of Jesus, you know, and maybe that time it stopped. But then it comes back. That means there's an effort. There's a labor. You got to fight for your soul. That's what he's talking about. Fighting for your soul. It's your soul. Nobody else can control your soul. You are the only one that has authority over your soul. Your husband does not have authority over your soul. Your wife doesn't have authority over your soul, even though they might think they do sometimes. Hallelujah. I know you wives have never tried to tell your husband how to think. And just because I'm a wife, <laughs> I've never tried to tell my husband what he needs to think. I have to repent right now. <laughs> you all know I have. Hallelujah. But he loves me, gives me grace and mercy. And he's going to do what God tells him, not what I tell him. So, back to 11. So let us labor, therefore, to enter into the rest, that rest where God was on the seventh day. Because on the seventh day, when he looked around at all that he had done, he looked around and said, whew, that's a good job. He said, hmm, this is very good. means he knew everything was done. Right? So he's telling you and I that we can enter into that kind of rest in our souls. Knowing God's got this and everything's going to be all right. That's getting that into that soul that you're changing your thinking to think like God thinks. Scripture says we have the mind of Christ. 
but we have to operate in it. And so then verse 12 gives us the answer. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of what? The soul and the spirit. The word goes in there to do the work in our soul, to bring us to rest. This is the labor. This is our laboring, letting, taking hold of the word. That's why it's so important to get your eye gates on the word, to get your ear gates hearing what you're saying, because you are going to believe what you say. And so he's telling you, when you take the word of God, when you take the truth of what God said, this is what it will do to your soul. It'll get that doubt and unbelief out of your heart. It'll put you in a place of victory. That's what the word is for. That's why when you get a word from God, you speak it. Until you change your thinking, and then you're in the rest. Then you're in that place. I remember years, and it's been years, 10 years. And I got a doctor's report of high cholesterol. I thought, I'm not taking that. I don't like that report. I'm not, I'm not taking it. And the doctor wanted me to take medicine. That's the logic that the doctor wants you to do. And I'm not against medicine. I just wasn't taking it. And so I went and got the word. And the Lord said, that's a generational curse, and you need to take authority over it. I said, oh, okay. So I started speaking to that generational curse. And it took me, I don't know, a month or so of speaking to that and defying it to have anything in my body, taking the authority over it. And the day came that out of my spirit, I knew that thing was done. I entered rest. I entered into rest. Where? In my soul. And when I went back to that doctor, he says, what did you do? And I told him what I did. He said, I've heard a lot of people say that, but I've never seen anybody have the results on it. That's rest. That's entering in to the rest of God. That means I fought the battle until I knew that I knew that I knew that I won. Till I knew that I knew that I knew that I won. We quit in the middle of the battle. Sometimes we're just like the children of Israel. Something comes up, and we believe what it's speaking because it's loud. And God's word is, is a still, small voice. God's word is not like, like the enemies. So if we're listening with our ears open, what's God saying? That's a generational curse. 
You have authority over it. And then you war with it. You war with the word out of your mouth. And then we can sing a song that says, miracles come out of my mouth. Because that's what's coming out of your mouth. Instead of everything else contrary to it. If you can't say the word, zip your lip. I've done this many times. I mean, shut your mouth up, Vicki. Don't you say what you're thinking. God wants us to enter in to his rest. Enter into that place that our souls are at rest. And you know, no matter what obstacle comes up, you got the victory. You got it. That's the place Joshua and Caleb entered into. They didn't let anything else out of their mouth. They did not agree with one of the spies. They didn't agree with, and look, you think of 40 years watching your friends die. Thinking, can this be true? I don't think they doubt it. I think they entered into rest. That's why they went into the promised land. That's why they could stand there, bold and courageous, and look at a wall that was so huge and so thick, chariots ran across it. And they could look at it and just think, you're coming down. Ha, 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 you're coming down. I am not moved by what I see. I've had this in my heart for 40 years. And I know that I know that I am settling in to the promised land. And not one of you ites are going to keep me out. You got to get to that place in your soul. You got to get to that place that you have the victory before you see it. And that is rest. And it'll keep you out of turmoil. You got to see it. And I'm just, you know, I don't have to tell you, you know we're in a battle of the mind. But I know some of you are in such a brink of victory. And the enemy wants to throw up a big wall. But you got to see it. you got to see it bowing its knee to the authority Jesus himself gave to you. And if it doesn't bow the first time, the second time, the third time, you stand. You stand. Do not compromise. Do not bow. Stand strong in the victory. Stand until you win. That's why Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. I am trying to close. (laughs) I just get it. Say, I take it. Thank you.
I know that victory is close. Some of you may be a little further off, but keep fighting. Change your thinking. Drive out the darkness. Put the light on. And you too will be like Joshua and Caleb. You too will take the land. I believe it. I believe it. I've seen, I've seen too much to turn away now. I've seen God's word work too many times. I've seen it. You can't, that song that says, it's too late. You can't, how's that go? Don't tell me he can't do it. Just don't do it. It won't work. I'm, I'm past that. I'm in it until I win. Until Jesus calls me out of this earth and into heaven, I'm fighting until I win. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.